It's Thursday, October 23rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. We did not get hordes of email telling us that yesterday's podcast was so horrible that. Well, we'll try again. <laughs> That <laughs> never have those guys on again. Um, it was a particularly bad, you know, trio to to keep on schedule. To keep on schedule, and uh, as one Twitter account put it, um, meandering. I think that's an accurate description of yesterday's podcast. Somewhat meandering. Yeah. We're, was we're, that in a complimentary way? I, uh, overall, can but, the word meandering be used in a complimentary way? It was acknowledging that it was meandering, but then it seemed celebrating. This it. person seemed okay with yesterday's podcast, but we'll dip into this as a one-time thing. <laughs> no, no, this is a regular listener. Yeah, yeah. Um, we do have some earnings to report. We've got uh, Under Armour, but let's start with a couple of supply companies, and we'll go with the biggest first, Caterpillar. Third quarter profits up 19%, much higher than expected. They raised their guidance. The stock is up more than 5%, which for a sort of big behemoth of a company like Caterpillar, that's a huge deal. This is the best day the stock has had in three years. What do you think of their quarter? Uh, I, You know, we're not invested in it in the funds, and... Uh, it was a decent quarter. The top line was more or less flat with the year before, but they improved their earnings uh, on mostly flat sales uh, to an impressive degree. So, in, in short term, uh, you can actually please shareholders quite a bit with surpassing on their earnings. Their earnings is the bottom line, by definition. And the top line has to grow at some point. And if the company is showing that it can take the same sales and translate them into more earnings. Uh, that's certainly good for a one-time uh, thing. And you don't fault the, the company, given the state of sort of slowdown uh, in the, the global sectors that they're in. Mining, in particular, is uh, something that's just not, not growing right now. And if you produce, you know, if you're the world's leading producer of mining equipment, then, you know, that that's going to show up in your sales. But they, as I say, they're getting more efficient and they're making more money. And that's what shareholders want, uh, is to see the, the profits at the end of all the sales. So, as a sustainable thing, uh, you want to see them grow the top line because you can only cut costs to, you know, for so long. Uh, but it was a good quarter for them. It does seem that there are some people who use things like share buybacks, uh, etc., um, as not an acknowledgement in the way that you just did, but more as a criticism. It's like, well, they're just, you know, it's just financial engineering, which I just sort of look at it and think, well, I, I suppose if you want to be glass half empty about it, that's one way to look at it. But, but yeah, they, they bought back some shares. And if that's your only trick, right? If your business has gotten to the point where you don't have a next step that's logical. To, to extend your business in, or the, the end markets are not growing, and you say, well, we're using all of our cash to buy back shares, that may be the best capital allocation that you can do, particularly if your stock is weak. Uh, but it's it's a hard story to buy into uh, as, this is something that I want to be invested in for the long term, uh, unless they're extremely disciplined about it, and they're, and they're Shares are going to remain low. I'll give you an example of a company that's succeeded in doing that, and that's WellPoint, uh, which has really not grown. What do they do again? 
They do health insurance. Okay, all right. I thought they were a health insurer. But. I just think Blue Cross, but uh, called WellPoint. Okay. Um, and so they've done very little on the top line for years, but have taken almost all of their money and just bought back shares. Uh, and uh, their stock has been trading nine, ten times earnings, much lower than that some of the time. So if you get to buy back your shares for the better part of a decade at six to 11 times earnings, you'll find that you've reduced your share count by an enormous amount. You're sort of the same company, but uh, the shareholders now own you know twice as much or however the math works out over the time period you're talking about. Uh, that company, in fact, has sort of turned things around uh, recently under new management and is now doing something more than just buying back shares. Caterpillar, They'll have you know better economic conditions to expand their business, but in the meantime, buying back shares is not a bad bad use of things. Caterpillar, the biggest maker of construction and mining equipment uh, in the U.S., smaller and less well known, but with a a much more direct name for their company is Tractor Supply. Um, third quarter profits higher than expected. Shares up more than fourteen percent today. This is a stock. The first time I had ever heard of it, you had mentioned it. Uh, I, yeah, I pimped it. And yeah. It was like my stock of the stock to watch or like stock to watch for the year or something like that at some point. Well, thank you for bringing that up. Well, well, when pro- it's doing well today. W- yes, it is doing well today. I should also point out that prior to today, it was down 21% year to date. So this is, yeah. this, is so this is a bit of a bounce back. This after, is a, like, you know, it had been up 50 or 60% last year. And so you see some of that. You know, being hard to sustain uh, to grow your share price fifty uh, percent every year doesn't happen. So, and they don't really compete with Caterpillar, right? They do more farming yeah, equipment farming, as opposed to mining. It, I mean, you're thinking tractors. They're not selling that many tractors, uh, but they are selling. Uh, not, not a. You're saying it's not a repeat purchase business. It's n- not the razor no, blade model. No, but they're they're sort of stationed out in places in the the exurbs and and places like that. Uh, out in the country for people who have, uh, you know, who who do sort of a little bit of farming or uh, have places out in the in the country for and then do uh, want to experience that that part of life as a as a second home and and uh, it's uh, as people move out and have more and more access to thousands of uh, TV stations and faster and faster internet uh, far from uh, the cities, I think it becomes a more compelling sort of retirement uh, aspect and and uh, you know they've got plenty of growth uh, in their end market and uh, this to follow up on your original point about the, the global versus us this is a sign of you know, how much better the us is doing than, than something which is uh, is selling all around the world uh, in tractor supply uh, was up, I think, what was it, 13 14% in, in revenues for the quarter. The same store sales were up almost 6%. Uh, this is a domestic story. It's also a weather story. This is a, a company which, uh, you know, has put into its earning release. Uh, yeah, some of our good results were the result of good weather. So for those who say companies never bring up the weather when it helps them, but they always blame the weather, uh, when it goes uh, against them, you know, here is one of uh, a few examples th- nice. th- where a, a company will will say, you know, th- this may not be as sustainable, you know, next quarter because th- we can't depend on the weather being as good for our business. Uh, two more questions about tractor supply. First, in terms of the stock, is this a, I don't want to say cyclical stock, but it strikes me as the kind of business that, since it is 
based on the U.S. Uh, it's not an international play. I'm just curious if this we're we're basically done with their good quarters or their biggest selling quarters, because uh, as we head into winter, I can't imagine tons of people, particularly in the northern half of the country. Are looking to buy tractors? Well, no, but they're not just buying tractors. They're buying feed for for animals, large animals. They're buying all sorts of equipment. They are buying snow removal equipment. Uh, in fact, because their customers tend to think a, a year behind in, in terms of their their purchasing, they've actually seen a, a good sales for winter equipment already uh, because people are expecting uh, the kind of winter that they saw last year. That Maybe it doesn't, you know, make that much sense to me, but uh, that's that's helped their sales as well. So it's not really a cyclical. It it is uh, it it does have quarterly variation very much in what it sells. Uh, you're not selling, you know, a lot of, of seeds uh, in in the third and fourth quarters, but you know, uh, it's it's a growth business because there is a lot of the country that it is not in yet or in significantly yet, uh, and, and it's got plenty of room to grow, and it's just announced uh, a, a pet concept. It's going to open two stores that are sort of aimed at dogs and cats, but also not as customers, but you know, right. food supplies. Right. Because uh, <laughs> that, f- that, would, that would not have the stock moving up 14% today. We're aiming at dogs and cats as our next customers. <laughs> as our customers. Uh, second question about tractor supply, or I guess more broadly about um, their business. You ever driven a tractor? No. Have you? When I was a kid, I had a summer. Is that why you bring this up? No, no, you no. Have a, you got a story. No, no, no. It's not so much it that. It involves you impressing girls, you know, in your youth by your ability yeah. to drive tractors. Nothing impresses the, the girls the like, your, like your ability to drive a tractor. You no, put on your Paul Bunyan costume <laughs> and and go ahead. One summer, I worked on I worked on a farm, and uh, you're impressing the girls already. Doing doing various they things. You were and some a, sort of yuppie. <laughs> and at one point, well, you know. This was not intentional, but it is a nice follow on to yesterday when we were talking about how we were at a, a wine tasting party in DuPont Circle with Bob yeah, Woodward. You're not all wine tasting. Right. Sometimes you're a farmer. My only point sort was, of a gentleman farmer. <laughs> My only point was gonna be Did you have a story that you wanted to tell? Would you, would you let me finish before I come over there and smack you? Um Driving a tractor is one of those I'd things. I'd like to see you try. <laughs> it's one of those things that is uh, is better in theory than it is in execution. It's like you know, would you like to drive? Like I was 16 years old. Sure, I'd love to drive that. You get up on a tractor. That is a big piece of machinery. One question you don't have to answer. Were you sober at the time? I, I was completely sober you were at the sober. time. We'll get to your cow tipping stories on another podcast. On another. Stay go. tuned. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Under Armour. Yes. Third quarter, help me out here. Revenue better than expected. Profits better than expected. Full year guidance looking good. Pre market, the stock was down 5%. It has since recovered. It was up about half a percent, 1% when we came in the studio. It's almost exactly flat right now. Um, And the the very short story there is very uh, big expectations have been embedded into this stock uh, for a long time. It essentially uh, met them, met expectations this quarter, big expectations. Uh, and given the, the level of the stock price and given what it has returned, 
uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, it's you know it it has to really knock it out of the park to get some sort of tractor supply. You know, moving up fourteen <laughs> percent right. today on on much less impressive results. Uh, but it's coming back from having a couple of disappointing quarters, whereas Under Armour really hasn't had a you know disappointed its shareholders in in a long time. So. Just meeting expectations is, is a hell of a job for this company at this point, and uh, it did so again. I think it's up 58% for the year. Uh, it was up 79% last year. It was up 35% the year before that. It was up 30% the year before that. It was up 101% the year before that. There will come a time when, you know, there are some negative, <laughs> you know, numbers in its performance as a stock. Uh, but it, it's really been an amazing run. Apparel is the biggest category for Under Armour, but they are growing their footwear division. Mm-hmm. Um, and international sales almost doubled year over year. Is either one of those uh, the best bet the company has for significant growth? And if so, which one? Uh, I would say that... that a third choice, uh, and I'll uh, just mention it before telling you which one might be, would be women. Uh, it's been a brand much more associated with uh, men's sports and uh, boys. I mean, it's kind of the uniform right. uh, at school for, for boys of a you know certain age. Uh, and, you know, if it can get to be at that level of uh, brand awareness internationally, that would be huge because it's it's nowhere near... Uh, as well known outside of this country uh, as it is here, uh, and we're sort of in the epicenter too. It's a Baltimore-based company. Right. It's a very big here in, in D.C. and the, the area. Uh, so I would say you know it's got a lot of different. The shoes is something it hasn't been into as long as as the apparel. Women is a great opportunity and one they've been focusing on uh, over the last twelve months uh, and international and and uh, you know they're going to have some. Misses on each one of those over time. We don't really try to figure out like quarter to quarter which one of those will, will be better. But they're an extremely uh, effective company at, at finding opportunities and executing on them. That is something I think about from time to time with uh, Under Armour, and that is our physical proximity to where they are based. Um, and I'm curious, does that ever enter, enter into your thinking as an investor, not necessarily about Under Armour, but about... Um, about any company, because I, I, it seems like one of those things. I find myself um, tempering my expectations about Under Armour, even though I'm not a shareholder. And I think one of the reasons I do that is because I, I think to myself, well, I, I think they're huge and everywhere, but I'm right here in their backyard. But in the rest of the country and around the world, it's it, it can't possibly be like this. No, no. I mean, they're not. You know, they're sponsoring University of Maryland, and right. Navy, and then they're they're huge. What and, Nike know. is to the University of Oregon, that's what Under Armour is to the University of Maryland. Yeah, and and I, so they, there are a lot of opportunities, as I think your question points out, that are still out there. A lot of people probably are not as inundated with Under Armour as as we are here, uh, and as we are having. Boy, I mean, you're 
kid probably wants a bunch. He of does. Armor. What what struck me about Under Armour as a brand was a comment one of my nephews uh, up in Boston made. I think this was two years ago, and I I he was talking about grabbing a sweatshirt before he went outside because it was cold outside. Um, but he used the phrase Under Armour as a generic term. And he said, I'm going to go grab an Under Armour. Hmm. And he didn't grab an Under Armour branded sweatshirt. He just grabbed some other sweatshirt. And I asked my sister about that. And she said, oh, yeah, they, they, all, they just refer to sweatshirts as Under Armours. Okay. They got the, you know, they got uh, the they Kleenex got the, thing going. The, the Xerox. <laughs> Xerox, exactly. Radio I know that. Radio at fool.com is our email address. Uh, got an email from Charles Argon at Princeton University. Hey, guys, just wanted to let you know that your discussion of It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, has inspired me. I'm returning to my childhood and watching it again instead of doing my history reading. And I've decided to be Linus for Halloween. Thanks for the help and keep up the great work. Is this the first time the podcast has inspired somebody? <laughs> I think it's the first time we've been inspired someone uh, regarding Halloween. I, you know what? Stay in school. Do not, do not, <laughs> whatever we say here, keep, keep studying. Not necessarily tonight, but, you know, don't abandon it all for Charlie Brown watching. Right. And hopefully Charles' parents, who are presumably paying for his Princeton University education, don't listen to the podcast. And so they're, they're not saying, wait a minute, what, what are you doing dropping your homework to watch animated cartoons? And then to dress up. <laughs> well, it's not even Halloween yet, right? It's... Well, presumably it's for Halloween that he's dressing up as Linus. Although that would be an interesting social experiment, just to you know grab a blanket, dress like Linus every day, walk Here... around campus for a week like that. Here's something that that is, you know we've talked on this program about the inappropriate uh, expansion of sexy costumes to places where they should not go. Right. Not been done with any of the Charlie Brown characters that I know of yet. That we know of yet. Yeah. Although if Charles wants to go the route of sexy Linus. I don't know that that can be done, or <laughs> that anybody wants to see it attempted. Uh, you know, but, again, you know, L- Lucy or Sally. I mean, d- well done, awful costume industry for not <laughs> trying to corrupt those ideas for as drawing well. the line. Yeah, Olaf the snowman from the the hit animated movie Frozen. We're gonna go with the sexy Olaf, but we're not gonna do sexy Sally or Lucy or or Peppermint we're, Patty. We're just giving them ideas. We should stop. <sighs> We should stop before we for stop. For many reasons. <laughs> for many reasons. Before we stop, let me mention once again uh, Motley Fool Stock Advisor. It's our flagship service. Uh, you can get a special offer on it simply by going to marketfoolery.fool.com. That's marketfoolery.fool.com. Or just text the word fool to 38470. That's 38470. Text the word fool, and we'll send you a link. You can get 75% off Motley Fool Stock Advisor. Do you have your candy purchased for Halloween yet? No, it okay. would get eaten in my <laughs> right. house. <laughs> right, that's true. You have, by me, yeah, and, you and, and others. Yeah, yeah. What are you going with though? Uh, you know the classics. Yeah, it, it, whatever is probably in a pile nearest to where I happen to be at, you know, four o'clock on Halloween Eve when <laughs> when, when I am going to the store to get going something. into a CVS or a supermarket or something. Could be Snickers, could be Three Musketeers, could be. M&M's, those are all pretty solid. Do you things. have any specific strategy, or does your wife have any specific strategy for, well, we'll buy this candy because I personally don't like it, and then therefore, if it's leftover, I won't eat it? Just the opposite. Oh, okay. <laughs> Load up on any of these candies. That's an awful theory. of purchase. Some people do that. But 
then they don't get the candy they want to eat. Right. I think it's it's I, I want candy that I'm going to give away, and I don't want to be tempted to you know to, to on November first. I, I say indulge. It's Halloween. <laughs> the stat I saw. Um, and we'll have more stats about Halloween on uh, Motley Fool Money this weekend. But uh, I saw one stat that this year in America, $350 million will be spent on costumes for pets. There you go. America, everybody. We're going to spend $350 million on costumes I'm for our pets. I'm taking the under. You're taking I, the I, under I, on I that? Can't do, I can't do the math in my head to get there. You're going to get an angry email from the National Retail Federation. They're the ones pushing this. Bill Barker from Motley Fool Funds. Thanks for being here. I say prove it, National <laughs> Retail Federation. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.